This episode of Horror Movie Talk brought to you by Gary Busey. What do you want me to do? Stand up. Okay, then what the... Stand up! Right! Stand up! Stand up and face me! Okay. Put your knife up. Okay. Now, what if... Use your knife to defend yourself. Come on! I don't know how to use a knife. Okay, you know what? I'm going to drop it on the ground because that's normally what I would do. All right. You got the knife again. Well, I got it. No way. You have a knife. I'm not going to let you hit me with the knife. Are you crazy? Come on, come on. No, no, no. Come on, come no, on. no. Come on. No way. Come on. Come on. Adam. No. Come on. Adam, Adam. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Just stop it. So what do I do? God, you're sick. You're sick. Why? You won't trust and believe in me. I do believe in That's you. That's why. You have failed this miserable... Uh, encounter with fear. Uh-huh. You're still very afraid. All right. So what do we do now? Do you have to take a dump anywhere? No. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk. An opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Go, 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 go. to Horror Movie Talk. Your panel of expert hosts each week are me, Dr. Bryce Hansen. I hold a PhD in spookology, and Professor David Day sits across from me. He's the foremost expert in scare no-nos. Pick up the knife, Bryce. Pick it up. Do you have to take a dump anywhere? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> New theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. Or... Horror! Um, this one might be more in the latter of that. Yeah, horror. I it's, don't know. Maybe. It's horrible. Uh, we got a great show today. Huh. Um, f- <laughs> matching our regular December theme. Mm-hmm. We're doing holiday-themed things. This is kind of a stretch, but it works. I think it's within the same theme. The Ginger Dead Man. Mm. It pains me to continue to have to say this. He's like, what are we watching tonight? The Ginger Dead Man. Remember- I'm sorry, what? The Gingerbread Man? No. No, the Ginger... I, I told my wife what I was watching. She's like, what are you watching tonight? The Ginger Dead Man? She's like, the Ginger Dead Man? Yes. You heard me. <laughs> Wench. Because she was thinking like it was like a zombie movie about... Someone that had red hair. Oh, yeah. Because I put the emphasis right. on dead uh-huh. instead of ginger dead man. Right. Ginger dead man. Yeah. Um, so before we get into the episode too far, we want to talk about our awesome community uh, around Horror Movie Talk. You would really love to talk with each other. If you go to our Facebook group, there you'll find most of the conversation. But we're on all the social media things, and we're happy to respond to any questions or comments you have we take all comers <clears throat> you'll find links to all of our social media on our website horrormovietalk.com um, it's just the name of the 
podcast and then add dot com at the end of it. Easy peasy. Um, we do regular second Saturday watch parties, which I realize is today. Oh, <laughs> and I don't think I'll be able to do it. Okay, I'll do it. Okay. Um, I'm actually singing tonight. Okay. So I've got other things to Shut do. Shut the fuck up. Got other various and sundry things. David does Twitch um, for horror games. Again, find links to that on the website. Uh, we post new episodes every Wednesday. If you want to reach out to us and ask us a question and possibly be featured on a future episode, call 682-253-4468. Um, if you're new to the show, the way we go about things is we give a brief synopsis and review for the movie. And we score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a miserable dredge. Or it makes you angry you had to watch it. Well, in our case, had to. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to watch it. Uh, five, <laughs> being an average film that hits all the expected marks, um, like reaches the table stakes of movie. And ten, being so good it transcends genre boundaries. After we give our score, we're, we're breaking the format a little bit on this episode because we have a very, very, very special treat on this episode. My God. We will be interviewing the legend, Charles Band. The who king is, of exploitation, yeah. right up there next to the emperor of exploitation, Roger Corman. Yeah, uh, he's the director of Ginger Dead Man, so it's it's uh, part of the reason why we chose this one. But more importantly, he's the owner and proprietor of Full Moon Entertainment. Yeah, this the is the guy company. who came up with Puppet Master, Ghoulies. I mean, you know, Charles Band is has a long, long and varied history, and he just came out with a memoir that was actually a really compelling read. It was yeah. really, really, really interesting, and and he's gonna be we're gonna be talking to him about that. Um, so um, after we do that, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into Ginger Dead Man and uh, talk about what we liked and hated about the film. Um, and then we'll end the episode. So, um. Again. You know what? Actually, I'm going to add to that. I'm going to add just a little bit called Things My Dad Says in tribute to Gary Busey because as we were watching Ginger Dead Man, or more specifically the three minutes that Gary Busey was in Ginger uh-huh. Dead Man, Carrie was like, oh my God, your dad is Gary Busey. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it kind of is. So we'll we'll read a few excerpts from things that prove that. All right, so again, uh, this episode, we watched The Ginger Dead Man, and it was about as coherent as Gary Busey. Here is the trailer. In a quiet bakery, one woman is about to confront her past. We gotta fight back. An unforgivable act of violence. It also says here that after that gingerbread season. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, An unholy curse. What is that fucker? I think I know what. I mean, who it is.
wish you can. Something's in the oven. The Ginger Dead Man. <laughs> Evil never tasted so good. Eat me, you punk bitch! <laughs> so, uh, reading the memoir, like, you learn that... What's the that, name of that, that book? The The memoir is called Confessions of a Puppet Master, and then a subtitle. Yes. Um, but reading the book, you you find out, like, the process is you make a poster and a title, and that's where you start. Yeah, and that's where you, you start. And, and then so, you pitch it. You get it lit, and then you make the movie. You write it, and right? You get the you get the imagery, and that also like falls into the the world of like this will look good in a trailer too, because it's right. Like, the trailer is much more interesting. Than and the let's movie. be clear, this is exploitational movies. And for those of you who aren't familiar with specifically what that means, exploitational movies are simply simply movies made to exploit a trend or Mm -hmm. hot topic of the time. Right. Right? So it's not necessarily to exploit the people in the movie or anything like that. It's just a money grab sort of thing. Right. It's a movie form. Yeah. I think the context of this one is not even like something... So like, for example, like a exploitation movie would be like Jurassic Park just came out and then you go to Hollywood Video and there's a new... Uh, video on the shelf that looks almost exactly like Jurassic Park, but it's called Carnosaur. It's called Velocipaster. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like uh, half of it is tricking rubes into thinking that it's Jurassic Park. Right. And the other half is like, well, I like Jurassic Park. Maybe I'll like this. Right. But you should know if you've been fooled by any of these that this is not going to be a high quality Hollywood film. And I think the context of Ginger Dead Man is is even worse than that. I think there was another exploitation film called Jack Frost that did really good in, in video stores. And I think they just like went, Oh yeah. Snowman. Let's do a gingerbread man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> got, got man right there. Um, so yeah, I think the, the, yeah, well, first of all, gingerbread man is, can be found for rent or purchase on Amazon. And is also available streaming at Full Moon Features as part of their streaming service. I watched it uh, free on Tubi. Oh. Yeah. Why didn't I do that? I don't know. You're stupid. I'm an idiot. Yeah, you got to use that Just Watch app. Um, I think the best person to explain the ginger dead man is the director himself, Charles Band. Here's him describing or giving us a synopsis of ginger dead man. You know, if you've seen the ginger dead man... You know that Gary Busey has a very short part. He breaks into a diner. He's the bad guy. He kills someone. And then he gets caught and he gets sent to the electric chair. And the young hot chick in the bakery sends him to, uh, you know, his death, testifies. It gives his all backstory. It turns out that Gary Busey's character's mom was kind of a witchy chick. And she takes the ashes, brings them back to the bakery, puts them in the gingerbread batter, and out comes a really pissed off cookie with the, the voice of Gary Busey. That's kind of, that's the setup, right? Right, 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 right. Uh, <laughs> is that the setup, right? Well, I guess that's close enough. Uh, in the spoiler section, I think we'll be talking about how wrong that actually is. That's yeah, it didn't turn out to be accurate. I mean, 
I think the, the most important thing is is that that was the intention. I yes, yes. I think, and I mean, that was twenty years ago. Almost, it was sixteen years ago that this movie was made. Right. Um, so, and Charles Band has since made probably a hundred movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you, no one can fault him for not necessarily recollecting all the nitty gritty details of the motherfucking ginger dead man. Right. Because now he's on to like part five of the ginger weed man. Yeah. And I'm not joking. Yeah. Um, that's he's on to like part five of mm-hmm. the ginger weed man. He's had like ginger dead man versus puppet man. Like oh. the ginger dead man versus evil bong. Evil bong. Yeah. I mean, it's so um, I mean, that's kind of what we're working with here. So. The ginger, but ginger dead man is representative of the highs and lows of exploitation horror films. If you've seen any full moon feature, your expectations should be tampered. Um, if you live in a time where you went to video stores and you rented the straight to video schlock, yeah, like you should know what you're getting into when you watch this movie. If you're <clears throat> But if you're new to super low-budget, straight-to-video horror films like this one, you might feel surprised at how shitty it is. <laughs> Rest uh, assured, that's a feature. Yeah. If you are comparing it to anything that even, like, has a whiff of theatrical <laughs> release, like, <laughs> this movie is not going to compete on quality of writing, production, uh, acting, directing, special effects, or anything related to the making of movies. However, what this movie and other full moon full moon features have is every once in a while they have some truly entertaining, absurd, and even charming moments. Yes, it's a special niche which is YouTube before YouTube existed. Right. It's like um, it's like we want to entertain people. We don't have a lot of money. But we have some wacky ideas, and and we got, and we got, and we can, and we have the means to get it out there. Right. We have distribution, so, um, so the result is a lot of whiffs, a lot of whiffs, whiff, 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 and then sometimes you'll get just pure cinematic cult, glorious mm-hmm. gold, mm-hmm. like Ghoulies, like Puppet Master, mm-hmm. like Jack Frost. Um, you know, yeah. sometimes basket case, you, sometimes you'll get these movies that just, that just explode into the world with their own like bizarreness. Right. Uh, okay. So let's start out by discussing the bad first. The, the writing and direction is borderline incomprehensible. Some of the very important plot points that seem like table stakes to show on camera are just not there. It's never quite explained that the killer's mother exists other than being mentioned and seeing a witchy figure running away. Uh, We know that the mysterious figure dropped off gingerbread seasoning. And we see the... I love this. I I rewatched this because I couldn't remember them actually pouring that box into the batter. Mm. Uh, But we do see him pouring it in. But inexplicably, they're pouring the delivery of gingerbread seasoning into a giant vat that's labeled gingerbread seasoning. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, shut up. You uh, know, like, no, no, hey. And in the process, bleed into it. Ew. So, uh, David, uh, David. by the ominous music, we're to understand that, that, that this is bad. Ew. Um, so, 
first of all, this displays a fundamental misunderstanding of how gingerbread dough is made. <laughs> well, look if we're look if we're going to nitpick at t- at this level, we're never going to get through this review. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. Uh, is it nitpicking? Like, wouldn't that doesn't didn't that draw that's, you out? That's like, not what I said. I said if we're going to nitpick at this level, we'll right. never get through the review. That's true. Nothing in this movie makes sense, right? At yeah, all, exactly. And it's not supposed to. Okay. Um, so, but it also begs the question, what if the guy didn't accidentally and recklessly bleed into the dough? Who cares? It doesn't. It's the, it's that age old like problem of like, how do we make magic happen? And right. it's like, okay, well, 99% of the time a lightning bolt hits it. Right. Electricity. It's magical. Yeah. No one knows what that shit does. Friday 13th, part six. Or yeah. seven, seven, maybe. It's so seven. lightning or next up is blood. Someone yeah. someone bleeds into it. Yeah. Or mysterious scientific liquid falls onto it. Yeah. Come into it. And then radioactiveness. Right. Radioactivity. That's a big one. So you got to pick one of them. They chose blood. Right. That was the easiest one to do. I guess. They had some Out cool of, lightning effects in this uh, in this movie. I'd I'd still think I would uh, posit that lightning or radioactivity or something would do better than blood because well you don't want to rip off child's play directly you can't well pa- well that was a voodoo ceremony well that's, it was a voodoo different. ceremony that resulted in lightning okay well I mean if you're gonna rip off something might as well rip off the stuff that works I'm holy saying, shit child's if you're so good if you're in a bakery. Shouldn't that be a thing that you notice when someone's bleeding profusely into your batter? I don't know. Uh, it's just I am getting pretty nitpicky. Yeah. Um. So the answer is shut up. Yeah. Do you want to see a ginger dead man or not? Yeah. Do you want it? it Gary Busey's here. <laughs> uh, the acting quality varies wildly among the cast, which makes sense when you're only paying scale. Uh, there are some standouts like Ryan Locke as Amos had some genuinely good delivery and timing on his lines. Um, and we're talking about, like, not with much to work with, you know. It's Dude. like those those jokes that are... You, you ever see, like, a movie where it features the main character as a stand-up comedian and every single joke is, like, it falls flat because they haven't worked it out as a stand-up comedian for, like, three years? But in the audience, everyone's laughing hysterically. Ha, 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 ha. And it just pulls you out immediately because it's so disconnected from from what reality would be. So those are the type of, like, comedy lines we're talking about. This is this is not, like, high-tier stuff. Um, anyways, he does great. Um, also, uh, Larry Cedar as the nemesis restaurateur. And, of course... Jimmy Dean as Jimmy Dean. As Jimmy Dean. <laughs> and, of course, Gary Busey hamming it up. It's, it's weird. When you watch movies like this, you see, like, the people that are just starting out and not going to make it. They're just like, oh, honey. Yeah. Oh, honey. And then you want to take them aside and just say, like, this is not... Like, maybe you should be a production assistant. Right. You know? Yeah, and then there's the other ones that stand out, like, oh, like, they seem very natural. Like, they they feel like an actor, you right. know, that you would see... On something, you right. know, and we're not talking like, you know, Meryl Streep level. We're talking about like uh, CSI Miami level. Right. I mean, yeah. Larry Cedar went on, I mean, has done 
plenty before and after, you know. He he did Deadwood, he's been in Community, he did Law and Order, American Horror Story, like... Yeah, he was... Uh, you guys got credits. He was Pierce's father in Community, which is basically, like, a rip-off of Colonel Sanders. <laughs> he was, like, this old Southern gentleman, and his hair was made out of ivory. What? Like, literally carved from ivory. Oh. Yeah. Jesus. He did, it was a great character. Anyways, um... So, unfortunately, the film mostly dwells on the lead actress, Robin Sidney, whose only direction was probably, be mopey. Yeah. You're hot. Be sad. Be, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this is how actors that don't, they're like, be natural. It's like, well, I'll just say it in every everything in the same cadence. Um, Charles Band treats objects like people, man. Uh, now on to the good. So Gary Busey is great as the unhinged killer in that diner and as the voice of Ginger Dead Man. I, so there was, there was a real roller coaster of emotions going on in our house the night that I, uh, I, I laid this, this fact down on Carrie. Carrie's like, so what are we watching tonight with hope and, and, and desire in her eyes. I see the glimmer in her eyes and then watch it slowly and fade I, out. And I was like, we're going to watch the ginger dead man. And she was like, oh, what? No. And then I was like, it stars Gary Busey. And she's like, <gasps> and then we watched the first three minutes of it. And she was like, oh, oh my God, this is going to be the best night of my life. I, He's so crazy. And then, you just got to watch her entire soul just get sucked out through her asshole as she realized Gary Busey was no longer in this movie. And despite the runtime of 70 minutes, it felt like two or three hours. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and then at about the 35 minute mark, she fell asleep. So it was yeah. a real roller coaster. Um, the other important thing is any time the ginger dead man is on screen is gold. Pure like, gold. Like genuinely enjoyably absurd. Um, there's something about an evil, gross, super fake looking foam latex puppet delivering menacing dialogue that is really entertaining. You ever had lady fingers, bitch? You know, just got to throw in bitch at the end of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> nice tits, bitch. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, this brings back, this brings back memories, uh, with my friends of, you know, of, you know, a Saturday night, you're going to Hollywood video, you're going to Blockbuster with your friends. You got that one friend who's just a little unhinged and he's like, oh, <laughs> we're going to get the ginger dead man. And you're like, dude, no. And you're like. You know, you got three movies. You're going to sit down and watch at least three movies. Mm -hmm. You do, and this is the last one you watch, and you all fall asleep watching it. And one of you is staying awake, being like, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's really entertaining. Just imagine if Triumph the Insult Comic Dog started start in a slasher. That's about what you're working with here. True. I mean, the most... This is not the first time we've done a movie like this before. I think the most comparable is, of course, Thanks Killing. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was immediately where my mind went to, this exploitational. And I think Thanks Killing, I could even say, is lower budget than this. Like, But more comprehensible. Oh, yes. I would I would watch Thanks Killing over Ginger Dead Man. 
Um, so anyways, overall, if you are looking for a low-budget film to watch with friends to make fun of, this movie can be really enjoyable to experience. Um, in all other scenarios, not so much. you got to be a very special person to enjoy this type of movie alone. There is a tremendous amount of filler in this. This is mostly filler. Yeah, like you said, like this is... This concept would be great for the YouTube, you know, content um, mill. Yeah. If it was 20 minutes. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So um, when it comes to scoring these movies, it's it's hard to, I mean, because what are you comparing it to? Right. Like, we're, this is up against The Exorcist now because it, we're we're using the same scale. <laughs> right. Um. But I still, I still don't think it's bottom of the barrel. I don't say it's one. I say it's two. Okay. Two out of ten. That's fair enough. I think, and you know, you raise a good question, which is, how, what do you do with this kind of thing? How do you review it? And you know, in his book, Charles, fabulous book. I really enjoyed the read. Anybody who's listening to the sound of my voice, if you'd like horror movies and you have a minor interest in Hollywood, holy shit, this book, uh, Confessions of a Puppet Master, is it is worth <laughs> it is worth reading because it's number one it's a super easy read it goes by real quick if you're not into reading they got an audiobook and then just his stories are so bonkers but yeah he's he's the, okay here's like the hang, the hang on let me finish my thought let me finish my thought my thought is he talk he's like you know i even the people who don't get it and don't like my movies and review them poorly he uses those bad reviews and he's not right. he's not angry about it. So here's I what I even say. even on the rev- even on like the marketing materials for his memoir, there's a quote from John Carpenter, which basically says like, "Who, by the way, was his who he came up with? He yeah, he he's like he was John he's, Carpenter's it, I friend. Mean, that's the other amazing thing reading the book is like the name dropping that oh, happens yeah. and is is truly oh, yeah, I, impressive. I fucked Demi Moore, no problem. <laughs> you want to know what her pussy looks like? I wish he talked about that, but, um, so yeah. So like, uh, John Carpenter had a quote that basically said like, yeah, Charles Ben, like no matter how hard he fails, (laughs) he's still, he's still around. Like, it's like, you know, that saying about after a nuclear explosion, cockroaches will still be around. Like Charles Ben is the equivalent of those cockroaches so and he used that in the marketing material (laughs) right so my my answer to this is this is a my score for this is a one this is a terrible movie um but it fills it doesn't it's not trying to be a 10 it's not trying to be a two right it's not trying to be anything other than that moment at the video store with your friends on a Saturday night where you're giggling and you're high or you're drunk and you just want you just want to let the insanity of the world sweep over you <laughs> in in a in in some sort of visualized format it's not art but it's a vibe and for that, it's I mean, a there, ten. <laughs> there, there could be like an argument made for the the peak hubris of consumerism <laughs> and yeah, and capitalism was late nineties, early two thousands. Ginger of dead like, man uh, was ginger dead man of like we we're doing so great 
the the ginger dead man exists and we partake of it. Watch this without question. Yeah, this is this is like this is like watch this. I'm going to make a movie starring Gary Busey for 3 minutes about a ginger bread man who kills people with a knife. It's going to be mostly filler, not killing, and I'm going to make an ass load of money on this. And then your friends are like, "Shut up. You know you won't." And then you do it. Why? Because because you can. Well, because capitalism is great. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how much money this one made, but this is probably one of the more successful uh, full moon features. Like, it's the it's fact a recognizable that it has... name. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is on lists. Like, I if you look at Christmas movie lists, it'll show up. Um, anyways, um, so we'll we'll talk about more about it later in the spoiler section. But first, we need to talk about nightchannels.com. If you are looking for the perfect gift, well, actually, it's too late for Christmas. But if you just took back all your shitty gifts and got refunds and you're looking for what to buy on Boxing Day, Canada's most celebrated holiday, right? Um, go to nightchannels.com and look at their wide assortment of niche, horror, occult, metal, and alternative uh, t-shirts and, and uh, sweatshirts. They've got designs that you're not going to find anywhere else. And again, this is the one thing that we ask you, you know, with that, with that wad of cash that you're holding from, from uh, that return to Macy's of the, the uh, velvet slippers that you're never going to use in the first place, take that wad, go over to nightchannels.com and just browse. Cause I guarantee you, if you browse, you're going to find something that you want. And once you fill up your cart, Use code HMT at checkout to get 13% off your entire order. And uh, they're already priced very reasonably. It's not like for how niche these designs are. Like you would think you'd only find them on Etsy for like $35, you know? No, they're they're crazy. Uh, like the I think I've bought four. <laughs> Like yeah. they're great shirts, and I, I I really I really enjoy them. And and they just came out with the Bella Donna. Is that I can't remember what, what Bella was, Canvas. Bella Canvas. That are just super like they're already super soft and feel lived in. Yeah. That honestly, like that's the way to go now. Like I don't think I'll order the the other version of it. Yeah, check them out. They have supported the show for uh, over a year now. We appreciate them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to these commercials, you should know that you don't necessarily have to. If you go to patreon.com and sign up for our uh, at least the $6.66 tier, you'll get um, all of our episodes with the ad section taken out, the mid-roll section taken out, and early access for whenever we finish editing it, which is sometimes months in advance, sometimes uh, minutes in my case. Um Go to our shop on HorrorMovieTalk.com shop if you want to buy some logo tees. Also check out our resident artist, Dustin Goebel. He's a professional artist who fucks hard. He also takes commissions for artwork from HMT fans. We got an email um, from a fan that found us on YouTube that that commissioned a Halloween 6 artwork from from Dustin that he was really pleased with. So find him on Instagram at dgobel 0 That's at D-G-O-E-B-E-L-0-0. Make your artistic dreams come true. Um, if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, our number is 682-253-4468. Um, so thanks for hanging out. Now we're going to get into 
our interview with Charles Band. And so I want to give a little intro. Um, <clears throat> Charles is responsible for the production companies that made some uh, um, legitly legendary exploitation horror films. Um, and his story is really, um, really fascinating because it's impressive. it goes from like the heights to the lows. And, uh, he goes from, um, living in Italy and, and having a father that works in the business that worked with like John Houston and, and these other legendary directors as the secondary unit director to starting his own production company, which formed into this giant studio in Italy empire empire that that uh, is responsible for such movies as reanimator ghoulies trancers yeah um was the origin of many careers like holly hunt no not holly hunt um helen hunt uh demi moore uh, Vigo Mortensen, like lots of lots of names, got started out with these movies. Bill Maher, and goes from from that to getting it that entire production company taken away to reforming into another company, uh, Full Moon Productions, which um, started out in partnership with Paramount and then went off to be truly independent. And uh, it's a, it's a very uh, it's a very interesting story. And, you know, he'd also owned a castle. <laughs> like, his personal life is really interesting, too. Just, like, seeing someone super successful, like, the, living the high life to, like, going into the depths. Um, really, really compelling story. So, um, check it out on Bookshelves Now. Or, uh, Charles suggested especially the audiobook, uh, Find Confessions of a Puppet Master. And uh, we had a, we sat down and had a really interesting talk with him um, about you know some of the contents of the book and his experience in the fringes of Hollywood, and I think you guys will like it. So without further ado, here is Charles Band. So on the phone today we've got Charles Band, a legendary name in the horror movie exploitation film genre. He came out with a new book called Confessions of a Puppet Master, a Hollywood mm -hmm. memoir of ghouls, guts, and gonzo filmmaking. And uh, we're really excited to talk to you. Um, it was a really fun read. Um, I couldn't put it down. And I appreciated the fact that you gave us what we wanted, which was um, who you slept with and who the most difficult actor to work with was. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I mean, that's what the people want. Um, <laughs> well, okay. So you uh, you had a lot of highs and a, a lot of lows, and and um, I was wondering how you felt while you were writing this to to relive um, those moments in your career in Hollywood and international wood. Right. Well, first, before I got on the show, I didn't know if this was Zoom and it was live, so I didn't have to wear a shirt or anything. No, you could. You don't have to wear pants. You can take them off right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> but okay, good to know. Good to know. Um, no, it was a trip going back and remembering. I mean, I couldn't have done it by my myself. I had this wonderful bi biographer named uh, Adam Felber, who um, sort of was coupled with me by our literary agent and 
you know, I needed someone like that because I can tell my stories, but I'm not really a writer. And Adam's a wonderful writer. And we really saw eye to eye. He was the the head writer at the Bill Maher show for 11 years. And, you know, we just shared a lot in common. So we got into a routine where every Saturday for almost a half a year, last year during COVID, we would spend a few hours in the morning. Uh, and, you know, he'd kind of just take me back and get me to tell stories, including things that I try to forget. I'm good at forgetting the bad stuff because there were a lot of bad times as well. I mean, I hung on, I had ups and downs like everyone, but mine were possibly a little more extreme. Uh, so it was it was kind of fun in that way. I was glad when it was all sort of brought up to date. And then, of course, the irony is we finished it towards the end of 2020. And that's when HarperCollins, the uh, publisher, wanted the material because it takes them a while to vet it and to do whatever hocus pocus they do. And then so many amazing things happened this year. You know, about this crazy haunted mansion in Cleveland. We're shooting movies there. We're shooting movies here. Where it's just a lot of cool stuff happened, but I guess, you know, life carries on and you got to kind of close the chapter at some point. So other than the regret that I wish I could tell more stories about what happened this year, uh, it, it was good. It worked out and, and I'm, I'm glad I did it because I would have never have done it otherwise. I didn't really seek it out, but uh, the sort of, you know, kind of break because of COVID gave me the time. Yeah. I mean, even, even the parts that you did talk about recent stuff, just uh, the covid movie that you shot in like three days just right before well, no, no, dude, dude we shot it in one day one day <laughs> don't don't give me three times you know one day it's called corona zombies right yeah and uh that's that's available right now on on uh full moon well, they're all, we've, and, we've done three of those we did because this is this crazy chick their character name uh barbie let me turn this thing down and barbie uh uh, then teams up with Kendra, and then we did two other shows that were sort of topical during the summer of 2020. We did Barbie and Kendra save the Tiger King because Tiger King had just come out. It was a formula that I invented that allowed us to make a movie really quickly, have some fun with it, and then most of the hard work went into it in post-production where all the voice actors and the writers were doing it by remote because we were all locked at home because of this terrible COVID thing. So even though we only shot those shows one day each, you know, the writing took a while because we went back and much like What's Up Tiger Lily, we um, found all this crazy old fun footage, put new dialogue and new music into it. And as these ditzy girls are watching TV and discovering these low rent, either Nature Channel or Hard Channel, you know, these movies played. So it, it was kind of a cool thing to do while we were all, uh, you know, trapped in our homes. So, yeah. And then this book happened, which was great. And here we are in 2021, and it's almost over. It just felt like it was just beginning. And now we're looking at the Omicron. I mean, it's like, you know, I made these movies back in the 90s with really inexpensive, cheap Godzilla-type movies. One was called Zarkor. The other one was called Cross. I keep kidding. My friends say, I'm going to make a movie called Zarkor versus Omicron. It sounds like a fucking uh, big Godzilla, you know, Jack Kirby monster movie. You know, you just got done describing how you basically uh, shot a movie in a single day, and that's a great example of what I just, I'm just in awe of reading uh, this book, Confessions of a Puppet Master, is your hustle is insane, and uh, and the value of being able to hustle um, just really, really blows me away, and the skill that you have in that, and you describe over and over, but the the one question I have that's kind of paramount is 
why horror? Like, why did you focus so solely on horror for so long? Well, um, <laughs> I grew up on a movie set. I, I learned the technique. My, I, my dad was a producer director and I loved all that, but I just personally liked sci-fi fantasy and horror. I liked all of them. I loved Harry House and movies, Jason and the Argonauts, Seven Voyages, Sinbad. I liked, I loved good horror movies. And as I started making my first few movies, I realized that with my very limited budget, I, I'm better off generally making a horror movie because the canvas is pretty small. You know, it's one thing making a, a movie in a few locations with, a, you know, character driven with a bunch of, you know, five or six actors. Now, science fiction calls for bigger canvas, spaceships, monsters. So part of it was also a budgetary thing. But then I fell in the groove of making what I like to think are, you know, kind of different out of the box, creepy horror movies, but not slasher films, never made a slasher movie, made plenty of puppet and doll movies and just movies that luckily have stood the test of time. Even movies I made 30, 40 years ago, whether they were tourist trap or ghoulies or from beyond or dolls. And more recently, uh, even a movie like head of the family, which a lot of people haven't seen head of the family is one of my favorites. Cause it's just so freaking out there. Is that the one with the tongue? Uh, That's story? the one with the tongue. And I, I highly recommend people go find or see on our streaming site, head of the family. Cause yeah. it's, if nothing else, you won't be able to say, Oh God, I've seen a whole bunch of movies like that one. Um, it seems like your specialty, like especially during the full moon uh, years was being able to put out a movie a month. Like, could you walk me through what, the timeline looks like for that to be able to make a, a horror movie in one month? Well, we're, we're going to be making more uh, this coming year. We're, we have 18 movies scheduled. So you have to look at it like uh, layers of cake. Cause it's not like you make a movie in four weeks, mm-hmm. you know, even at our breakneck speed, our, our shows are anywhere from six to 10 days shooting. I mean, the movies I made last year, the, I call them the, you know, the, we had a good name for them, not the uh, Corona exploitation movies. That was it. You know, even movies like the, those are unique. So those were shot in a day because it's maybe 10 minutes of screen time and then intercut with the crazy shows on television that are repurposed material with funny dialogue. That's sort of a different thing. But if you're making a movie that's 70, 80, 90 minutes, you know, you need to shoot a certain number of days. But the timeline is usually four or five months. So you have maybe... And again, we move quickly. So maybe there's a few weeks to write the script and you do pre-production for 30 days. Then you shoot, let's say, for six or eight days. Then it takes a few months in post to complete the film. But you do that and then you layer the, the movies, you know, month by month. So at any given time, I mean, right now I have three movies in post-production being finished. Uh, we just finished shooting a movie. What was it? Last week. We're shooting another one next week. And, you know, there's a couple of movies in pre-production. Yeah. So you just put it on a board. And let's say the yeah. whole gestation period is five months. So it's five months, five months. So at any given time, you have a number of films that are in different stages of production. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy. Like, I, it's such an interesting world and, and such a, like, it seems like an important, important historical part of the industry to have these low budget exploitation films because it gives a lot of people a start in the industry yeah. and 
Um, I mean, there's a lot of name name dropping that's really impressive in this book. I'm not not to undercut it, but I mean, you've you've started the careers of a lot of big names, um, like you mentioned, yeah. Demi Moore, Helen Hunt, uh, Mariska Hargitay, Bill Maher, Bill Maher, um, and well, I guess you didn't start Gary Busey, but you had a great story <laughs> about Gary Busey. <laughs> Good story, yeah. yeah, with people like. Uh, you know, Viggo Mortensen. No, you, yeah. I've made a lot of movies over a lot of years. And, you know, I mean, part of it is just, okay, you've, you work with some thousands of people, you know, unless you got the worst taste in the world, you gotta, you know, hit on a few, but no, there's been quite a few. And a lot of people that I've worked with who are behind the camera, who are also became, went on to become really well-known art directors, mm-hmm. directors of photography, special effects guys. So yeah, yeah, you it, mentioned it working happens. with Stan Winston, and that yeah. um, I mean, uh, John Carpenter was a was a yeah. collaborator at the very beginning. Yeah, like it's 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 really oh, impressive. True. I wonder uh, what's your opinion of like the state of exploitation now, because it feels like uh, movie like filmmaking just keeps getting more and more consolidated in uh, more and more ways to where it feels like it's just Disney that owns everything. And, you know, there's unlimited distribution, but also unlimited like um, streaming services and and product out there. Like how is there still, um, I mean, what are the new difficulties when it comes to like running a studio like full moon? Well, we're, I mean, lucky i've been around a long time so kind of know where the bodies are buried because i've made so many movies and i kept most of those rights um, we were able to launch these streaming services back in the beginning we were just months after netflix launched now eight nine years ago so we kind of got grandfathered in and you know full moon is pretty eclectic i mean our even though most of the movies i made are on our site we also license hundreds of other movies you know euro cult movies and blue underground movies and you know, there's a lot more on our streaming site than just the full moon movies that I've made over the years. So I'm grateful for that because we used to be back in the 90s, one of the top independent suppliers to Blockbuster in Hollywood. And when video was happening, direct to video, video rental, we were like there. Yeah. And we were making a movie a month in the early 90s distributed by Paramount. That was really hard to do. That was back in 35 millimeter. It was a different world. Um, so unfortunately today, you know, ironically, the price of entry is like nothing. I mean, anybody can get a equipment for a couple grand and go out and, you know, they can also use their friends in their backyard. I mean, you know, it depends on what level of sort of a movie or a micro budget movie you want to make. But unfortunately, a lot of those are just not commercial. You know, they're, they're fun to say, hey, look, I made a movie and I put it in a box and I made a, a cover and it looks like a DVD. And But, you know, there's a glut of that kind of product and that doesn't really get into where it needs to. And the, the, the big problem is streaming sites, um, you know, they pay nickels. I mean, you right. know, it's not like the good old days where a home video, um, you know, you made a reasonably priced movie. It was an exploitation movie. You could, you know, ship 10, 20, 30,000, you know, DVDs and make a buck. Today that does not exist in the streaming world. Mm-hmm. So either you align yourself with a big streaming site, which is hard because they're all like mini studios you know you can't just go into netflix and say hey dudes i i made a movie for five grand otherwise you just can't get out there there's no um it's, it's just really hard to break through i'm sorry about right. the stupid phone anyway, anyway. Um, i i had a 
question for you. You're basically the the king of exploitation, and I was wondering, who is your contemporary uh, that just blows you away that that you're just happy to share a room with any any time <laughs> that's it no one's ever asked that's actually a very astute question uh okay so how do i say this without sounding big-headed um on my level no one i mean corman for sure but corman now is sort of chilled out he's in his 90s he's amazing we're friends i i, I love roger uh that's kind of it i mean I'm, I'm amazed at what blumhouse is doing but that's you know multi-multi-million dollar films that's that's a mini major uh, you know but as far as low budget exploitation where you make movies like the movies i've made literally since the 70s and take them out into distribution yourself because we for better for worse we work in our own bubble bubble we uh, from concept i say to people we're kind of from concept to collection uh so you know you dream it up you make it you put it out on your own streaming site release it on blu-ray and dvd later collect a few bucks and move on. That's kind of a, a, a rarefied world that I, I, I mean, the only other company I can think of that's been around that long, but they don't make a lot of movies is Troma. Right. I, mean, I love those guys over there. They've been around as long as I have, uh, but they usually acquire by movies. I've made my movies, you know, yeah. 90% of them are movies I've either produced or directed or both. So as far as a filmmaker who makes pictures in this budget range that has his or her own video company and there's no one else right now yeah actually and i mean that yeah I, I don't mean that like hey i'm the only guy it's just you know it's a tough business there were many years where colleagues people like me or at least other distributors you know there were a lot of people back in the home video days a lot of companies that either made movies or acquired movies and released them on home video and they are literally with a couple of exceptions all gone yeah. Because the home video model really works, you know, unless you're a crazy person, you could make a movie and get it out there in the video stores and blockbusters sometimes in Hollywood video and you would ship units and collect money and make another movie. When, when that died and it didn't, it didn't like just get like, oh, there's less stores now. It died. Yeah. As right. in the business disappeared from the face of the earth. 90% of the people who were out there in that business uh, disappeared. They became uh, there are lucky real estate agents, but whatever, they just moved on. <laughs> no, that's why I asked is because I really couldn't think of anybody else. And um, just to just to follow up to that, um, uh, not not necessarily that he's your contemporary, but I, I was curious about how you felt about uh, or if you're familiar. I mean, everybody's familiar with the human centipede, but how how do you feel about the human centipede or and more generally Tom Six, the the director of those? Have, have you? I'm not. I, I have to admit. I know this sounds weird. I I don't watch a lot of. I, I what I'm doing is, and I, I'm grateful. I'm not complaining. Is so 24 seven that it's rare that I find the time to watch anything. So I mean, I've seen a little bit of Human Centipede because I, I went to a couple of film festivals and I caught a moment and I I know what it's about and. You know, I, I, I like horror movies or sci-fi fantasy thrillers that are real clever where you can't guess what the fuck's going on. I mean, right. one of my favorite movies is Sixth Sense. I mean, mm-hmm. no, luckily, no one told me what, what I didn't know anything. I went in there hearing it was a good movie and I fucking loved it. Get Out more recently, another fantastic movie that kind of messes with your brain. I mean, you can go back to The Exorcist. So I like those kind of movies. I was never into torture horror movies. 
I don't need to see a lot of blood and guts. So this doesn't, you know, and you know, a lot of the movies that are made today, the haunted house and people crawling on the ceiling and, you know, it's fun, but you, you grow numb to that stuff. You know, it, when it gets under your skin is when I, you know, I can get, you know, I'm not scared easily. <laughs> people ask me, what are you frightened of? I go, nothing. I'm not, I'm, af- I'm actually, I'm afraid of lack of funds. Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> this tracks this tracks with the read of the book man. um i i like i said i have just endless amounts of respect for the hustle it's i'm i'm in awe reading this book of this it's is, a hustle it's a master class in how you make it is just work <laughs> like, right go yeah. to work man yeah no it is it is um <laughs> this is the worst thing to say to two dudes who are interviewing me but so today I was up super early dealing with my usual stuff. Then I had to be on set because I, I shot a comp. I'm shooting or finishing a compilation show. I did these back in the '80s. I mean, I did them with Sybil Danning, with Elvira. It's kind of an excuse to put footage together that is inexpensive or free, and find a host who who is a credible host with a credible name. So, for instance, back in the day, I made one called "The Best of Sex and Violence." I made one called uh, "Film Gore." And the most successful one was called Famous TNA. Okay. And there are people today who don't understand what TNA means. It's tits and ass for your listeners who are just not in the in the loop. Oh, they're in so the Famous loop. TNA was a show I did back in the early home video days. Uh, and it was I hired Sybil Danning, who back then was huge. She was like one of the hottest chicks around. This is 41 years ago. She was my host for famous TNA. What famous TNA was, was her talking about famous uh, women uh, who at that time and earlier, all the way back to the 60s, whether it was Brigitte Bardot or Jane Fonda, they all started their career by showing their boobs. So it was clips from those movies, some historical, you know, historical blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But it did incredibly well on video. And it is still to this date, our most successful um, well, I say one of the top 10 most successful movies I've ever made cost no money at all. Here it is 48 years later. If you go to our channel on Amazon, where the algorithms find what people are viewing the most and throw them into the most popular category, you will always see in the top 10 famous TNA. So a month ago, because I'm making these these movies that are a little more expensive, I'm thinking, I got to make one a cheap movie. I got to get I got to make another famous TNA. I thought, well, duh. I can make famous TNA too. Why not? Of it's course. been 40 years. All the hot chicks back then are now either grandmas <laughs> or gone. So let's. So then I thought, well, who can be the host? Can't be Sybil, even though she's around. She's a sweet girl, woman, I should say. So I thought, okay, who do I know? Who did I help? Whose career? And it dawned on me, one of the girls who worked for me years ago is pretty well known on TV because she's on Joe Bob Briggs Driving. Uh, program, which is on Shudder. Her name is Diana Prince. So I called Diana. I go, hey, Diana, you want to be the new Sybil Danning? So I'm going to make famous TNA too. And we'll put together, you know, 200 clips of all the cool girls in the last few years, many of which work for me, screen queens, half naked, running around. That's how they started their careers, including people like Sherilyn Finn and, you know, more famous actresses. So Diana said, great. We wrote it. So at 6 a.m. I'm on set today shooting all her material in a really pretty set famous tna we had the same logo she's sitting in the same chair that sybil sat in 41 years ago so i shot all that material and now the editors and the fellow named brooks davis who's very talented who wrote her material now they got the task for the next three four weeks of putting together an 80 90 minute feature 
hosted by Diana Prince called Famous TNA2, that by late January will be up on all the, our streaming sites. So I'm, I'm, this is a long-winded answer to a lot of work and being an entrepreneur. So I'm driving, it's like, I don't know, it's about 3.30 LA time. I'm driving home thinking, I'm going to get home, got to take a shower, I got to have a nice vodka martini. And I thought, oh, fuck, I got this Zoom thing. <laughs> I got this fucking Zoom thing with these guys. Fuck. These assholes. And I thought it was like to put a shirt on. I didn't even know it was audio. It'd be easier if it was audio. But it would have been very easy to call the, the gal and say, hey, listen, I'm wiped out. Let's just put it off another time. And, you know, I, you know, I thought, no, I can't do that. That's like sacrilegious. You know, it's, it's, it's against the universe of uh, being an entrepreneur. So here I am. Yeah. Well, I I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. It's uh <laughs> I mean, I when I got the email, like I was kind of over the moon because I I didn't tell you, but Full Moon was a significant part of my teenage dumb. Like me and my group of friends would always go to Hollywood Video and we would rent whatever blockbuster new release was coming out and then we would also rent some guaranteed you know the full moon production or you know exploitation uh movie yeah. and so we could you know watch the one that like we we're really curious about and then watch one and you know laugh and make fun of it sometimes have our own little yeah. mystery science theater sure. 3000 yeah yeah of and course. full moon were some of the most memorable i still like when someone asked me like what's the worst movie <laughs> you've ever right. seen. And I go, um, I don't know if you guys made the, the horrible Dr. Bones, but that was one. And then the other one was totem, which. Oh, those are not any of the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, did you, back in the nineties, you know, we had a, a second label that did really well called surrender cinema. Did you ever see any of those? No, but you mentioned them in, movie, in the book. Mo- movies like Familian, uh-huh. uh, The Exotic Time Machine, The Erotic House of Wax. I mean, you know, the young boys are into those movies, too. I always try to put some pretty girl in these movies right. and have the boobies fly a little bit. You know, I mean, that's yeah. part of what these movies are. Yeah, it's 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 a, it holds a dear place in my heart, and I was really excited to talk to you about it. Uh, one, okay. maybe one <laughs> final question, and then we'll let yeah. we go. We appreciate your time so much but since we're going to be doing this on the uh the uh, ginger dead man episode uh we try to do hollywood themed movies during december um no christmas theme christmas theme yeah i was wondering if you could uh share the one story in the book about gary Busey or your experience working with gary Busey on ginger dead man <laughs> oh god there are a lot of gary Busey stories i mean how um <clears throat> non-PG can we get here? Oh, you can go we're, as wild as you want. We're R-rated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, technically wait, so I we're, we're X-rated. We have a bit on our <laughs> show that's called horror. Or well, porn. I mean, you know, I don't want to offend anyone because you we are trust, in a different era, us. but We've Gary, um, you know, if you've seen the ginger dead man, you know that Gary Busey has a very short part. He breaks into a diner. He's the bad guy. He kills someone. And then he gets caught and he gets sent to the electric chair and the young hot chick in the bakery sends him to, uh, you know, his death, testifies. It gives all backstory. It turns out that Gary Busey's character's mom was kind of a witchy chick. And she takes the ashes, brings them back to the bakery, puts them in the gingerbread batter, and out comes a really pissed off cookie with the, the voice of Gary Busey. That's, kind of, that's the setup, right? Right. But you can't, you can't 
not love the movie already. Right, right. I knew I had to work, and we were lucky to get Gary. It's a very inspired idea, and um, I had to only work with him a day because then it was just voiceover. He only I needed one day. He comes in the diner, shoots the place up, some dialogue, and that day was. I mean, I'll never forget it because the stories are funny, but we didn't know where the fuck he was. We were warned he's a total womanizer. I said, every girl out there, just stay your distance. He, I can't do this in audio, but he would have his little hands grasping for imaginary boobies. He was like a completely crazy wild man. And, um, and there's so many stories. I mean, there are like 20 stories, things that happened in those eight hours I worked with Gary. <laughs> Literally. And I, I mean, they're in the book and some of them are in the book, but I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what I can tell you right now. That isn't a lengthy story, but it was great working with him. He's a great guy. And you know, the difference is I've worked with other actors who are pretty out there. The only other actor, and I'm just going to throw this out just for, by comparison, who was, was uh, past tense as crazy as Gary is an actor named Klaus Kinski. If you know who mm, Klaus right, Kinski right. is, There's some fantastic actor. There. I worked with him on a movie called Crawl Space I made back in the 80s. And people do compare the two because they're really intense. The difference is uh, Gary Busey was a lot of bravado and crazy dialogue, but he was ultimately harmless. Uh-huh. I guess if you were a chick and he was like grabbing your boobs, that's not harmless. But, you know, he, he there was a line. You didn't think he was going to go nuts. Whereas Klaus Kinski, in my experience with Klaus making this movie, there was a point where we were doing this movie in Italy and I had a frantic assistant come in and say you've got to go quickly to the bar which was more like a coffee house by the set we were shooting because klaus has got the director a guy named david schmoller who also directed my first puppet master movie and other movies anyway he's got david schmoller by the neck he's got a knife and he's going to kill him so normally i go oh that's just, we're in italy everyone's screaming you know nobody comes to blows but i knew gary was out there so i i thought okay i better get out and see what's going on make peace and I get there, there's like 15 people surrounding David, who was by the lapel, and and Klaus Kinsey with a knife. And he was just red, like his eyes are bulging even when he's not upset. Klaus Kinsey has huge, crazy eyeballs. And he's like about to fucking knife this guy. And I said, what's what's happening? As I was approaching, said, oh, he was really unhappy with a shot that David was going to get. He thought it should be closer. This is like insanity. And, and he would have, this could have happened. If things had spun the wrong way, but I'm very calm. And I, I said, you know, David, Klaus, you probably don't want to do this because if this happens, how are we going to finish our movie? You know, how, how we, in other words, subtext, if you kill the director, it's You're a bummer. The police are going to come. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow he calmed down and they eventually went back and the show must go on. So uh, Gary, on the other hand, I didn't really tell you a Gary Busey story. That'll be for our next uh, episode but there's some of them are in the book and they're completely crazy yeah charles ben confessions of a puppet master is the book thank you so much uh you you're responsible for so many terrifying childhood trips to the uh to the (laughs) video store store. and uh and we just appreciate everything you've done for the the genre um and yeah and i guess i guess the last question i have is bush or no bush (laughs) <laughs> uh, well you it's really the question book. is the, que- the question is where is the bush yeah <laughs> oh okay. where'd, it, where'd it go yeah where did where'd it, it go? go that's that that's gary's uh, yeah that's a teaser that's what he wanted to know from three 
young girls he cornered in a parking lot. He was screaming, where is the bush? <laughs> I love it. Charles, thank you so right. much anyway, for stopping by. You guys should know that, you know, obviously the book's been out just a few weeks and I've got lots and lots of funny posts and emails and letters. And I'm finding that a lot of people are really digging the audio mm-hmm. book. Um, some people just gotten out of the habit of reading. So some people just don't read, but you know, the audio book, you can do a lot of other stuff, exercise, take a walk. And I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but apparently it's, it's even funnier than the book. Uh, It was a great, I mean, I did a little, I did the first chapter, but I couldn't spend the time in the studio. They wanted 40 hours to read the whole damn thing. But the person that Harper Collins hired was terrific. And apparently the audio thing is a lot of fun. So if you're not into reading a book, you can get the audio thing. Trust yeah. us. It's worth it. And can you tell us and our listeners where to find, um, where they can sign up for full moon streaming service? Yeah. Yeah. It's fullmoonfeatures.com. Easy enough. And, you know, we always have a crazy offer right now. If you sign up for a year, which is fifty nine ninety five, it's $6 and change a month. But if you sign up for a year, it's fifty nine ninety five. But what we're doing because we're crazy people is you sign up for a year and we'll send you a free 12 Blu-ray box set of all the Puppet Master movies. And that's $120 value. Wow. Damn. Damn. Well, you heard So, you know, you get a year of streaming, incredible movies, and we're making a bunch, and you get a free, I mean, the Blu-ray box set alone is twice the value of the subscription. So, yeah, or, or, or you go to, if you're on Amazon and you're a Prime member, you can sign up for it on Amazon. Um the difference is you don't get the free box next where we're not Amazon. We can't give it away. Right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we'll you got it. We'll get to that vodka martini. and uh, it's, it's coming right up. <laughs> but thank you. Good luck, you guys. All right? Thanks. Thank you much. You have a all good right, day. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Okay. So thanks uh, to Charles. Again, go check out that book. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the audio book would probably be a good good choice. It it feels like it'd be a pretty entertaining listen. It yeah. was an entertaining read. So that book again is Confessions of a Puppet Master. Um, it's a memoir of Charles Band, and he had a special part in my in my uh, adolescence. Like I think he had a, a huge part in a lot of people's yeah. adolescence. <laughs> like if you were in the if you grew up in the eighties or the nineties. Yeah, he was right there with you in the video store, and he's still trucking along. So check out fullmoonfeatures dot com. You can, or get the channel on Amazon. Um, thanks so much to Charles for for coming out. So now let's rip into this movie that he made. Yeah, <laughs> let's get into our spoiler section. Yeah. Spoiler. Ew. Ew. Ew, David. So, yeah, um, I don't have a lot of points to talk about this, but I, I think I, but yeah, let's talk about Gary Busey for a minute. Uh, Gary Busey's screen time, like actually him on film, um, is ended by the three minute and 50 second mark. This, I, this is. I don't think that I'm out of I'm talking out of class here. When Gary Busey, when you stop seeing him in scene, the the movie, the worthwhile parts of this movie are done. I disagree. Uh, okay, that's there, fair. There is a ginger dead that's man. Fair. There is a ginger dead man, 
And I, I don't care. <laughs> Do not. Don't care. This, I mean, to be fair, the nostalgia that I feel is literally me going to one of my, specifically one of my friends. He knows who he is. Going, do we have to? And then him be like, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then just him just being like, did you hear what he said? Like me asleep on the bed and him being like, poking me as he's like, did you hear him? He'd be like, huh, what, huh? He said, he said, have you had lady fingers, bitch? I was like, and then him like, ah, ruffle my hair in an annoying way. <laughs> so it's like, like yeah, it's nostalgic in a, yeah in a certain way. Uh, one of the expert, I, I think, like the meta um, information around this movie. If you read the the Confessions of a Puppet Master, um, again, like it's pretty great because he gives you what you want. Mainly, who did you fuck? Mm-hmm. Demi Moore. Yeah, and who was the worst actors that you worked with? And answer. Gary Busey. Gary Busey. Um, so <laughs> I worked with him for less than 12 hours, and it was the worst. <laughs> and, I, and look what I do. <laughs> yeah, so he talks about Gary Busey in this book, and he basically says that, like, I mean, think about it. You got one scene, a scene. Gary Busey doesn't have to move more than two feet no. in this whole thing. Uh-uh. Um, he's just got to be there for some shots that they set up. And then they just got to go get him from his trailer. You'd think it'd be simple. Um, but in that 12-hour period, he, uh, Charles Band said that they lost him like at least more than a dozen times. My favorite part is that Gary had a rider in his, in his, in his contract that said, I you need to have a basket, a massive basket of candy. Right. Like stereotypical, like, Halloween garbage yeah. candy, you right. know, Three Musketeers, yeah, Snickers, Milky Way, Snickers, Twix. all this baloney. And <laughs> you need, and th- at some point they lost him. They were like, where'd Gary go? And somebody, and oh, and Charles actually went into his trailer. Because like, he was the big star, so they don't want to disturb the big star. Right. But in he's his, not answering in the his door. Trailer, he opens up the trailer door and the, <laughs> and the basket of candy is completely demolished. Yeah. Like we're talking... Hundreds of thousands of calories of sugar, just just totally gone. Wrappers everywhere, and, and Gary is and out nowhere there to be seen. Right out there somewhere, <laughs> uh, among the hills of Hollywood, Gary Busey is roaming. You know, all hopped up on sugar. Yeah, stand up. Okay, then what the? Stand up. Right. Stand up. <laughs> this, He's attacking people with knives somewhere. I mean, just like the post brain trauma, Gary Busey. Yeah. Is one of the most interesting and also frightening characters if, to, to have out in the wild. If you oh, <laughs> high yes. on sugar, high on sugar. If you haven't seen, um, uh, I'm with Busey, a, sh- a 2003 two show, uh, that's just one, a very early, um, reality TV show. Uh, it's public domain now. And you can you can watch it all over the place. You can watch it on YouTube and all that stuff. Mm. And it is it's fabulous. Um, it's it's yeah. just Gary just so <laughs> in being very scary, a very scary person, unhinged. Yeah, like normal Gary Busey at this point is an unhinged mess, and putting that on camera as a psychotic killer is like 
that's just going to work. Oh, it, it, it works so well in this movie. Like, there's these moments where it's... The moments within three minutes and 50 right. seconds. There's the moments with Gary in this movie where he tran- where the whole movie transcends the f- even the fourth wall, mm-hmm. and it becomes like a look into a person's soul yeah. where he's like, where he's like crazily holding up this diner, and he's staring into the camera directly into the camera a little too long, and you're like, oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> is he gonna shoot me? There's a part of you that's worried about you, and you're just, and it's so. It just grabs you. It grabs every bit of your attention and goes, this man's crazy. He's crazy. So anyways, let's finish the story from the book. So they they can't find him after this, like, there's some, like, Gary Busey Sasquatch out there that's high on sugar that, like, is a danger to all, like, men and women and children. Yeah. And they're looking for him everywhere, and they hear unmistakable Gary Busey voice. And the way that I envisioned it tell me if i'm wrong but like they found him in like a narrow crack yeah it sounds like he be- squoze into a niche <laughs> yeah like his his face is mushed up between the trailer and like a rock face right and he's like accosting some female cast members or female like crew he's like got him cornered he's like where did the bush go where did it go and there, and and then and then Charles realizes, oh, he's talking to them about the disappearance of pubic the hair. female pubic hair between the eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. where and he's asking these women like, so what's your situation? Yeah, what do you got going on down there? And so he's like, hey, Gary, we have to uh, actually, young lady, we need you on set right now. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, they he, they get Gary and, like, tell him, like, we're, we're ready for you and get him off. And then almost immediately after they do that shoot, he goes back to the trailer and some someone comes up to Charles and is like, my daughter went into his trailer and she, like, can't escape. And then it's like, Can code blue, code blue. And he goes into the trailer and, like, <laughs> he describes Gary Busey just, like, basically crazily talking this poor girl's ear off and like the girl like kind of like <laughs> help yeah this is and, what i imagine and then like. he uh he gives makes an excuse for why she's needed on set and then announces to everyone like don't go into his trailer period don't no go around it no women go near gary Busey's trailer right and uh so you get the distinct uh feeling that he was a nightmare and just like a complete unhinged mess. The to only work with. thing we exploit in an exploitational movie is the audience, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I mean, in the, in his memoir, he talks about like early on in the career when he was the bigger studio and he was getting pressure from like distributors to get like names mm-hmm. in the movies. Mm-hmm. Like you got to get that's how it used to work. You you get like. I'm not going to say washed up actors, but actors that have not been in the public spotlight for a while. It's people, they're skilled. Known names that you can get on the cheap. Yeah, but they're names. And, um, you know, Charles Band says that, like, well, eventually he gets to a point where he just uses no names. And it's a lot, lot easier. You don't have to worry about spending the money for, like, actual good actors. And it's like, I mean, look at this. Gary Busey worked. There's a reason to do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
even in what was that movie that we watched with um oh tom sizemore in it what was that weird movie or wait i don't think we reviewed that that was the one that um Never mind. I, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. The, the, the lady that starred in The Grudge, the remake. I'll look. That I'll we look. interviewed. Do you remember that? Uh, Tara Westwood. Tara Westwood. Tara Westwood was in this other film with Tom Sizemore. Oh. He was like oh. an unhinged guy. It was like Hell House or something like that. Yeah. Give me, give me a minute. Wow. Tom Sizemore has like 30 films in production. Yeah. I'm not joking. It's one of those things where you get an actor like this that's like... You know, even if they're troublesome, they bring a professionalism and a quality of acting onto your shitty movie that really transcends the value of everything else, you know? Yeah. It really elevates it. So, I mean, it's it's very obvious in this case. Dude, Tom Sizemore is a massive exploitational actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea. I mean, how is he going to feed his habit? Um, So... Okay, so let's talk about his bakery. Um, so, like a big, <laughs> I love how the nemesis girl it comes in to release a rat uh, to no. try to get them like closed down by the health inspectors, and the the lead actress is very concerned about it. She's like, "Oh no, you're trying to get us shut down." Um, so Sarah in the movie is like, "You're trying to get us shut down by releasing this rat." You're evil. Whereas minutes before, she witnessed a friend of hers bleeding profusely into the dough and did nothing to stop it from being baked. I, uh, I, I'm in awe of your professionalism. The, your ability to, to pick at this movie with any amount of sense, like with any critical eye well i mean it's that's the fun part of these movies is it you like this is why you, bryce is here because he's better than you at this he is no it's like this, i'm not no this is a compliment anybody else couldn't do it their attention span your ability to perceive <laughs> and then pick apart you are you have reviewer inside you it's a core of you. Some sort of critical monster within you. Doesn't this... I mean, it's... For me, it's table stakes. It's like the whole point of movies and being able to get away with, like, the magic of movies is that you have to maintain, like, the suspension of disbelief. And it's this balance. Like, because everyone knows that there's no such thing as monsters. But if you create a world that has enough recognizable rules... And like situations, you can insert like the little things into it. Like I always use the example of Jaws of it feels so real and they're so respectful of the shark and what's happening uh-huh. in the world that by the end, you're so into it that you don't notice how ridiculous it is that they just blew up a giant shark in the water. Because it's like, instead of going, well, that's dumb. Like, if you saw that in this movie, you'd be like, okay, that was dumb. Um, in Jaws, you're like, yay! <laughs> so, the, the things that pull me out, that's like, well, that doesn't... It's not just like, it doesn't make sense. It's so distracting because, like, people that know how reality works would never let that slide. 
Okay, but I'm, but, and I'm going to again pay you a compliment. Bryce is a much better reviewer. <laughs> than, people say lots of people go, and there's merit to this. There is, I, I don't deny that there is merit to this claim. Oh, anybody can just review something or be critical and and pick things apart. Yes, that's true. But you cannot do it with the with the eye that Bryce can. You you don't possess that within you. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm not uh, appreciating what I have, but I feel like this is pretty easy stuff to spot. Like, and that's why you're brilliant. Like if you okay, so there's a couple moments in this. There's one bleeding into the flower and just doing nothing about it, not being like, "Hey, don't! Why did you hold your hand after you cut it into the batter? Like, what the fuck?" Ow! My okay, hand. we got to get the scoop out and scoop this out. No, no attempt. It's like, oh, are you okay? Well, we better make this batter into a giant ginger dead gingerbread man. Ginger dead man. The other one is, like, they find the friend on the floor that's, like, covered in whipped cream, like uh, the, uh, what is that, Friday Night Lights? What's that What's that movie? Yeah, Friday with Night Lights. With James Vanderbeek. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. With the, with the whipped cream tits. Yeah. And uh, with the cherries on the nipples, of course. And they find her just laying prone on the floor. And Sarah is like, oh, she's in shock. Yeah. I know. Because I'm studying to be a nurse at community college at night. I just want to help people. And then proceeds to not help at all. Like, not call police. Not call, like, the EMT. They're like, oh, I know what that is. She's in shock and in need of of medical attention. Anyways, uh, (laughs) moving on. And then the the other one is, like, they're talking about this... um, you know, this bakery is like, oh, you know, our bakery's failing and not doing as good. Maybe it's not doing great because you're you bleeding only... bleeding into the batter. You'll, yeah, you're bleeding into the batter. But also, your bakery is based off of, we're just going to make one giant gingerbread man and put it into a room-sized oven. That's just what we're baking now is one gingerbread cookie. We're just going to... We're going to sell it for $180. See, this that's how you make money as a I bakery. Know, I knew you would continue to impress me. <laughs> I have to tell you, Bryce, I was so checked out while watching this movie. I mean, this all makes perfect sense. Yes, yes, all of this, but the movie was so boring and dumb and yeah. and nothing that I but that's what it counts on is me just being like, "Uh, is like having half my attention while I'm sparking up a bong, you know, like while I'm, you know, picking pimples off of uh, off of my knee or something like that, you know, like that's what. The, and so me as watching this, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a whole room. It's an oven. Mm-hmm. And then moving on, like I, I was just like, <laughs> all right, whatever. And they're baking I a ex- cookie. I accept all your premises, all of them, <laughs> because to nitpick this movie is absurd but i mean i think that's what i'm pointing out is that this stuff doesn't take production value this is how seriously you take your job more forethought than just what's normal like what even if i'm not a baker i don't know how to bakery business but if works. it were normal this wouldn't be the tour de force that is no you would make it work in the normal atmosphere so like if i was there i'd be like okay 
we're making gingerbread men. You're making 50 trays with gingerbread men. Somehow, Mommy Witch makes it in, sprinkles a little ashes, and you know puts a little eye of newt in one of the gingerbread cookies, mm. unbeknownst. And then you shove this rolling rack into the giant right. That oven. would work better. Yeah. But that takes no effort. If you're writing the script, like... If okay. The, even but, even just writing what, if, what okay, Charles but, Band said but, was the premise of it. Even if you're tr- just trying to do that, it would be better. But reading through this book has given me a unique, <laughs> a unique perspective, which is, if you're a writer for one of these movies, chances are very high that you got an 11:30 p.m. call from Charles Band that said, "I need a script in seven hours." <laughs> And then you were like, okay, no problem. And he was like, I'll pay you $10,000. And then seven hours, remember? And then you go, okay. And then you just- I highly doubt $10,000. Whatever. You know, like whatever it is. Right. Uh, and then, and then you sit down and write a script like this in seven hours. And then, and then a lot of it is probably ignored. You know, a lot of it is seat of your pants, like Charles just being like, <laughs> no. Well, that, that's the interesting thing is that his description of what the plot of the movie is, he directed it and he should know that that's not what the movie shows at all. Right. Like the fact that he's saying like, oh, this his mom, which is kind of witchy comes yeah, in none and None of sprinkles. that happens. None of Charles's description of the movie is the actual setup for right. this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was the director of it. I was waiting for it. Right. And I and I had his description <laughs> in my mind while I was watching Ginger Dead Man. So I so in my mind it already made sense because Charles's description made sense. Which is fascinating. I wonder what his description of ghoulies would be in that oh. case. Oh. Because I, I, I mean, that's that's the amazing thing about these movies; they're inexplicable. Uh-huh. You're like, what is going on? Yeah, like, you get the gist. Like the gist is the poster, right? Like we got to make the poster happen, and to make make it make sense or like consistent is not an important thing. By the way, if you want to listen to our review of Ghoulies, you can do so by uh, subscribing to the $25 tier on our Patreon. We have a bunch of uh, Patreon-only reviews that are available over there, so check it out. Yeah, um, so where was my train of thought? So they, yeah, I mean, this movie has all these inexplicable moments, and it takes no effort. And that's the other thing I had in my mind is like, Oh, well, it kind of makes sense because they're pumping out a movie a month at this production. Oh, yeah. Like, and in my mind, and you hear in the interview, I was asking, like, how do you do that? How do you, like, go from, like, soup to nuts in a month? Right. And the answer is, it's not in a month. It's in, like, five months. So it's actually, like, a a reasonable time frame, like any other movie. Right. Like, this script was written months before they shot. And somehow, even with all that time... No one, <laughs> no one read it a second time. Like I, I, I feel like it went straight from, from a. No, there's a lot of that's not my job. From the word the document to the print house and into the hands of the actors, and no one looked at it twice. No, that yeah. Well, it's not that no one looked at it twice. Every, everyone, it's just the stakes are low. Right. There's no. There's no stakes. You know. It's just like no. This is. No, what's going to happen is we're going to 
pair this with a, a badass cardboard cutout that we're going to send to every blockbuster in the country, and we're going to sit up right next to Evil Dead 2, mm-hmm. and it's, that's where it's going to be put, because E-F-G. And yeah. so... There's, there's this, like, like really impressive, like, uh, um, what's it called? Um, Barnum. What, what P.T. Barnum mm. thing, where it's... Yes. Um, Presentation. Where, you know, he Charles describes in the memoir that like you start out with a poster, poster, a uh, title and a tagline, right? And you just take that around, and it looks ridiculous, like, but it looks cool, and it it gives you such a ridiculous story that you would be like, well, I gotta see that, yeah. And then you shop it around and get um, funds for it, mm-hmm. and then you shoot it, and then also like the marketing of it to at the time like video stores. That's the whole other thing is that, like, you can get it packaged with these cool, cool swag and you realize, like, how much, like, it's borderline fraud. There's this great moment in the, in the uh, memoir where he's talking about, so get this, if you're a video store owner and you got this marketing material of, okay, it'll be like um, Travolta. Estevez, Swayze, Stallone, in a movie together for the first time ever. And we're talking like late 80s, like the time where these are like the apex of Sylvester Stallone, Emilio Estevez, Patrick Swayze, and and, uh, John Travolta, well, maybe not John Travolta's career, but recognizable A-list stars um, that any big budget Hollywood studio would like kill for. And he's like, this is the marketing materials, you know, these names in the film for the first time ever. And then you find out it's like uh, Travolta's brother and uh, like uh, George Estevez, the uncle of Emilio Estevez. Somebody who's just named Stallone, but it is their first time up. No, it's Stallone's mother. They're all related to these people. And it's not a lie. It is their first movie together. And it's like, there's a, there's like a, it's borderline fraud, but the fun of it is like, if you have two brain cells to, to rub together, if you look at what it actually is going past that, like initial shock of like, holy shit, this is amazing. I got to learn more. And you will find out like, it's not the people you thought. Yeah. Then it's just, it's delightful. Right. It's like being tricked. Yeah. And, and that was the other quote is he he's uh charles band said people don't mind being deceived as long as they're also entertained right and that's yeah this pt barnum aspect of these movies which is yeah we're we're fooling you into paying the price to see these movies but are with, we with the expectation that you're actually going to see what we're telling you you're going to see which right. is a movie right I'm like <laughs> that's not an actual movie this is this is a fraud um it's the same thing as like, oh, you're going to see the, you know, insect boy. And you step into the tent and it's just like an insect that's male, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, it's, well, it's still a boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still a boy. Um, let's see. A couple other things that you see. See, this is where it gives you appreciation for just table stakes movies, which is, do you remember the scene where the two girls fight? Yeah, vaguely. And how awkward that looks? Yes. It's like 
you realize like, oh, that's why stunt people are there. Because it makes it, they know how to at least make it close to believable that there's a fight happening as opposed right. to like, uh, yeah, hey, don't want to actually swing or touch you in any way. Right. Or like throw you off balance. So you're all just kind of standing up and like jostling. Right. And there's no danger yeah, it's or threat at all. Terrible. Truly abominable. Um, I, I want to say again, like I really liked Amos in this movie that Ryan Locke delivered some, had some great delivery of lines. He, he has probably one of the best lines, like tongue in cheek lines, which is after they see the ginger dead man for the first time, he's like, they're like, what was that? And, uh, Amos is like, well, it's fake. And he's, his line is like, well, you saw that thing. It had to be fake because <laughs> it looks ridiculous. Right. Um, a little wink. A wink at the audience. So the ginger dead man, like puppet, it's great. It's her, it's something. It's it's great when you see it like the foam latex, like rah, 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 rah. yes, <laughs> it's where its mouth opens and its entire like face like morphs. The, the entire body of it morphs because it's because it's latex and yeah, and it's and it's struggling. It's, yeah, there's no there's no like musculature or like a skeletal structure behind Hinges it. It's or, literally just someone's hand in a in a foam latex. Yeah, moving a little a little slit of a mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and then Gary Busey's voice coming through it and being like But was it Gary's Busey Gary Busey's voice the whole time or I felt like it was like occasionally Gary Busey's voice with a with Well, that was the other thing like whenever the ginger dead man talked it was of noticeably worse quality audio. Right. Like, it felt like it was like, you know, if <laughs> if I was talking and then um, it'd be, like, slightly quieter. So if I, like, did uh let me see, for example. If I was talking and you're supposed to think that I'm still talking and me and David are still talking, then you, and then you hear in, in between it. And then you just keep on going like that. That was us that said that. Right. We're kinda, at the same place. It was kind of like Frankie McDonald. It sounds like a spaceship is coming. Oh my god, the aliens are here! Oh my god, there's more aliens! Yeah. It's just- so yeah, I mean, it's. I really enjoyed it. There, there's something like just super when you experience like pure schlock. Pure. Schlock. Unadulterated, unfiltered, hook it to my veins, yeah. schlock. That, that is the good stuff. And there's not enough of it. But no. when it is on screen, I, I, it was genuinely entertaining because it was laughable and it was fun. That was the most impressive thing about this movie to me was the amount of nothing dialogue and intrigue, like Z-level intrigue that was going on between these characters that I was like, what the fuck? Are, why, what, why isn't there a ginger dead man stabbing these people to death right now? Like, what would you say you do here? Yeah, it was... It was so... It's, there was so much just bottom of the barrel filler that I was like, oh, this is... This really is a scam. Yeah. Yeah. Got, it's, it's got a, your money in 2021. I bought it. I didn't. My I didn't even face. rent it. I I just bought it. Oh my! Oh my! Because it was God. like six bucks, 
It was either like three dollars or six bucks. And I was like, well, okay, guys, I'm going to do a tornado siren once again. <laughs> For me, on the off chance, if I ever want to pull an audio quote from this movie in the future. Uh, it's worth an extra three bucks for me. Hey, um, it's it's just a tax write off at this point. And then my last nitpicky thing, and this is like the most nitpicky. And this is true of even big budget Hollywood films is at the end, uh, the ginger dead man gets hold of a revolver and proceeds to shoot about a million bullets. Yeah. At everyone out of that, out of that six shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a common thing. Anytime a gun is in a Hollywood movie, like, no one has any comprehension of how many bullets are in a thing. Well, I'm glad you picked that up too. That was actually one of my nitpicky things. Except like, the exception was Resident Evil Raccoon City or Welcome to Raccoon City because they paid attention to that. Yeah, I counted was, that too. Yeah, there were like, six shots. One, two, three, four, five, six. Done. I was like, and that was one of the moments in Raccoon City where I was like, oh, this is a good movie. Like, right. it's not bad. Um, anyways, so the, the, the movie ends again, there's not that much going on that, that you can, you can summarize everything as like a ginger dead man is created and he's a killer. And then how it ends is the, the same guy that bled into the batter is like a, like a bootleg wrestler, like a professional wrestler. And his name is the, um. Uh, the butcher baker. What is it? I don't know. I yeah, don't the know. butcher baker. Butcher baker, and he shows up just in the nick of time, and he bites off the head of the ginger dead man, and then there's 20 minutes left, uh. <laughs> and you're like, God damn it, that should be the end of the movie, and no, they have to like pad it more with him being controlled by the soul of. Uh. Uh, P.T. Knickerbocker or whatever his name is, Millard Findelmeyer is the name of the, is the name of the killer. Fakey McFakerson, <laughs> Stabby McPhilmeyer. Uh, so that's how it ends, and then the movie's done. Yeah, and there's no resolution of like, oh, the bakery is saved, or like, oh, it's just they're they're dead. Let should, us never shouldn't. speak of it again. The end. So, who would like this? I think we already talked about who would yeah, like this. this is I a know. Pretty, this is a pretty specific situation where you should know what you're getting into, and you should like uh, putting yourself into these situations. Um, yes. No. That's that's accurate. All right, can I can I take a moment to intro my my bit that I just it's an on the fly bit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear it. Okay. So this is just some things that my brother and I have kept a uh, a running list of. My dad says some insane things. Um, and they're loosely connected to reality. They're just within his reality. Um, and so, and they're so crazy that we just decided to write them down. So credit mostly to Garrett, my brother, who keeps a running list of these things that, uh, is shared with me, but it does remind me a lot of Gary Busey. So, uh, in loving tribute to Gary Busey, here are things my dad says. And feel free to, you know, take these and use these in your real life. The dog was laying there, all crimped out. Uh, I think, did you do this? I did, yeah. And he's saying the dog was laying there, all crimped out, referring to a super relaxed or asleep dog. He says, "Uh, go go and burn some water, meaning go heat some water up. Mm Mm-hmm. 
She wasn't as ambidextrous as normal. When describing his dying mother, who was playing a cribbage game with him, her motor functions were shutting down. She wasn't as ambidextrous as normal. How was Grandma, Dad? Uh, she wasn't as ambidextrous as normal. <laughs> she could only write with her right hand now. Uh, he's one of those Harish-talking guys, talking about a, a person of Indian descent <laughs> from India. Harish-talking guys. It's good coffee, he says. I always think it's going to be, he's, he's at a gas station getting some coffee. It's good coffee. I always think it's going to be laced with gas at the gas store. <sighs> wow. There's a lot to unpack in that one. I always think they're going to lace the coffee at the gas station with gas. Gas store. At the gas store. Uh, Ted, Ted, referring to his brother, is in Hiccup Gravy. He's talking about Ted living on his property instead of instead of renting a spot at an RV park. So Ted, his brother, is in Hiccup Gravy. Someone who's just happy to be alive. Hiccup Gravy. Wow, you look concerned. That, that has to be a saying. That can't be just out of the blue. There it's must all be, out of the blue. There must be some basis for no, for that. No, this is, this is Gary Busey. Like you could say gravy train. My brain is never as fast as my mind is. He says this in seriousness. What do you want me to do? Stand up. Okay, then what the... Stand up! All right! All right! Stand up! Stand up and face me! Okay. Put your knife up. Use your knife to defend yourself. Come on! It's not. It's not far away. Um, we're at that black coffee place. You know, Black Angus Coffee. Uh, you got to have hands the size of Twinkerbell, meaning he needs some small hands to fix something. That is almost. That's almost clear. Right. He uh, gets the name wrong. It should be Tinkerbell, but but you get what he's saying. Like, you need a little pixie hand. My mom's name is Kathy. He calls her Kath, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he... <laughs> Kath, can you buy me a weasel? <laughs> he's referring to a painting easel. But <laughs> instead of a, saying an easel, he says, can you buy me a weasel? Uh-huh. How big of a menu is it? He's talking about a venue. How big of a venue is it? <sighs> So this is all, this is all stuff that. What do you want me to do? Stand up. <laughs> Stand up. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Put this knife in your hands. Now you're gonna fight me with a knife. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, yeah. Huh. I I actually. I think and then my... he has the audacity when he fights with you to be like, "You're insane," and you're like, "Whoa, buddy." <laughs> I have a long list here that proves that I am the same one. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mom, there was just a Facebook memory that was posted from like eight years ago. I think it was, the context was my mom was talking to Aaron about um, what she was going to get my dad for uh, Christmas. Uh. And the quote was, maybe I'll get him one of those, um, um, those Tim Banana shirts. <laughs> and like Tommy Bahama, yeah. Aaron was just befuddled, and I said, "Translation: Tommy Bahama, Tim Banana." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you, you just start speaking parent eventually. Bryce, can you get me a weasel? <laughs> can you go buy me a weasel. Uh, I think it's gonna be laced with gas at the gas store. 
They're, and they get more and more frequent as they get older. Like, my mom... <laughs> we were just talking about James Bond movies, and she was, like, trying to keep track of which of the Daniel Craig ones she hasn't seen. And I was like, okay, so there's Casino Royale, there's Quantum of Solace, there's Skyfall, and then Spectre, and then the new one. And she's like, what's a... What's a specter about him I was like oh well it starts in um it starts in Mexico City and then like goes blah 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 and then later she calls me and she's like in casino no in uh Skyfall I'm watching Skyfall and I remember and she's like talking about how it starts in Mexico City I'm like no that's not you're not watching Skyfall you're watching Spectre. She's like, I know what I'm watching. I'm watching Skyfall. And I'm like, Mom, what does the DVD cover say? Spectre. (laughs) (laughs) She was wanting to watch Skyfall. Right. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. She called me and she's like, I thought you said he fell off a bridge in this one. But it starts out in Mexico City. It's like, yeah, that's not listen. Listen, lady. Yeah, Just when it gets to the point where you can't read. If you like this conversation, yeah. subscribe to Patreon because the afterpods are this. Yeah. This will continue on our afterpod oh, for yeah. Ginger Dead. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Go to our website at horrormovietalk.com. Um, if, again, if you got a wad of cash burning a hole in your pocket. From Even if you returning. don't, we'll take your money. Yeah. Um, you know, we got a shop. You can get a logo tee, or if you're going to buy stuff on Amazon, click through the, the button in our banner. Um, check out Confessions of a Puppet Master. Um, really genuinely yeah. interesting. I, Thanks to Charles Band for coming on our show. Um, he really didn't need to do it, but I'm I'm glad he did. Cause he, he almost didn't. <laughs> he was uh, really, really happy to, to talk with him. And, and I remember getting that email. And I was like, <gasps> Full moon. It's going to come full circle <laughs> it's for Bryce Hansen. Yeah. Um, thanks to all the listeners. Thanks to our Patreon, our patrons. Do we have, we have some new patrons. We should probably oh, yeah. pull up. No, I, I, I have the list uh, right here. Don't, don't you, don't you worry. Um, so thank you to new patrons, George T, Jesse K, Chris L, Stephen M, and Colette S. You guys really tickle my dickle. And, on the nick of time, Amanda S. Oh, and Amanda S., yes, just now. Thank you, Amanda. So we will uh, see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Looking for a podcast full of burps and gas, perverted casts, skinny and fat? Look no further. Horror movie talk is accidentally funny, begs to donate money, fake sponsors for dummies, and so much more. New episodes every hump day. They'll pickle your dickle for foreplay. Patreon members have it your way. Vote for a movie every month for the review. Chopa chopa, don't just stare at it, eat it like a taco. Put your tongue through the phone, hoodie Picasso. Look at them hot kids, swear not a pedo. Got me too, with Cosby eating jello. Pudding pop done, gave Bryce flatulence. Drain addict, addict Dave does it. Give a shit. One through ten, is it horrible or excellent? Oil me up, daddy is dinner. Rob Sanchez, Bryce Hansen. Look at them hot kids, Chris Henson. Masturbate with a crucifix, exorcist. Face huggers, chest burn.
called Sigourney Weaver. I know it's true because it came from social media. Patrick Bateman can't understand you. Stab you to death for rotten apple reviews. Opinionated podcaster with a doctorate. Spookology doctor of philosophy. Bad gastritis knee colostomy. Turn Patreons into human centipedes. David Doobie Day scare no no expert. And go with fucks hard. Professional sex expert. After pods taglines and porno flicks. American Psycho. Them guys pretty sick. Chopper chopper. Don't just stare at it. Eat it like a taco. Put your tongue through the phone hoodie. Picasso. Look at them hot kids. Swear not a pedo. Got me too. With Cosby eating jello. Train addict, addict, Dave doesn't give a shit. One through ten, is it horrible or excellent? Oil me up, daddy is dinner rubs. Nothing good happens in the woods. Always get more than you bargain for. Got a pickle to dickle. Machines tickle bitties. Vancouver, Portland, Oregon, and organs. Corona, COVID, curse, Lorona. Green River Killer, because reasons. Hallway of Poop Monster Kids screaming. Ain't your ordinary dingleberry itinerary. 30 days shudder and jump scares, they fucking scary. Time for the spoilers with jokes and tropes. Use their white socks to catch their loads. To show them one titty, pretty. Paganism, you should worship. They Teflon dicks. Pacific Northwest, let them see one breast. Shifty ass, they spooky. Poor man's digress. Bugsy. HMT. Hard movie talk. Hold on, they don't like Halloween. Fuck this.